0: I can tell you a lot of stories about phone numbers. Who cares? But I can tell you about my experience on the office, my experience, you know, running the American Cancer Society events. It's more to talk about. And that's what I think a lot of people, lawyers, are missing. That's Paul Faust, serial entrepreneur and legal industry veteran. It's all about, I'm a lawyer, a lawyer. I got this settlement. I did this. I went to this law school. Different from your videos. No, it talks about who you are as a human.
1: I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp Video, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory, crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. I sat down with Paul Faust to discuss how helping others without asking for anything in return can lead to exponential business growth, why sincere human connection is one of the most powerful marketing tools, and how a mindset of abundance and collaboration leads to greater
0: opportunities. When I go to the CRISP Conference or MassTort, I hear the language of the industry. I don't hear that at my desk. I read websites. I see what people are talking about. I see what other vendors are pushing. I see what other cases, I see the problems. So when you go out you see people and literally shake hands or fist bump now, that's where you learn the most. Too many people don't get that. That by getting out of your regular environment, you see a lot of things you would not normally see.
1: That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Paul Faust is one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. For starters, he's the president and co-founder of RingBoost, the nation's largest marketplace of custom phone numbers. He's also a volunteer firefighter, a student of Krav Maga, founder of 1-800-PREPARE, and was a former guest star on the hit TV show, The Office, where he played himself, going by the name, Cool Guy Paul. Yes, really. I began our conversation by asking Paul about the pivotal moment that launched his entrepreneurial journey.
0: It's a great story because, you know, I, I planned out my whole trajectory in business. Uh, No, I went to college, knew that the only skill, not the only skill, but what I was good at is talking and connecting with people. But I had no clue what I want to do in life. I knew that I could sell. I knew that I could talk. I knew that I love connecting with people. I knew I love people's stories. And, you know, I, I talked to a lot of young kids about this. I didn't plan to be in the number business. I was a sales guy. I knew how to sell stuff. And I met a guy playing softball. That's how my life, why I'm sitting here now. is because I met a guy playing softball. I was going to a tournament. And needed another player. He was on the other team. I didn't know him. And he had a great game. If he doesn't have a good game, I'm not in this business. If he has a great game but can't come to the tournament, I'm not in this business. My whole life went in a direction that was unplanned because I met a guy and he can come to the tournament. He didn't know. He told me two months later he can come. We get on the plane. I would never talked to him before besides the invite. And I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm selling my company. I'm starting this new business. And I'm like, what business? He's like, "Uh, phone numbers. I'm like, what? I'm saying, what do you mean phone numbers? And he starts, I'm like, and then we sat on the plane. We still have it. I sat across from him. We took out the barf bag and I started writing concepts down. He's like, you got to join me. And so it's when I, when I talk to kids about it, I'm like, don't worry about having a perfect plan. Um, you know, get on the battlefield, get in the game, do something, talk to everybody. Cause you have no idea where your life's going to take you. And that led me to. Co-founding, you know, Ring Boost uh, with my partner, Greg Hammerschlag, to because of that, starting a brand around a phone number and something I cared about, which is 1-800-PREPARE, which got me out of the office. Like all these things happened because I got on the path. I didn't plan everything. I didn't think it through and say, well, if I do this, something has got to be in the game and then good things happen. Um, and also bad things happen. So what what year was this? Like when, when you started Ring Boost? It's about 16 years ago. Started and we were in one business only licensing toll free numbers. That was it. Shared use, licensing, and numbers. And really, it's it's not about the number business, it's about helping businesses grow. And our vehicle just happens to be voice, it happened to be through voice calls. And how do you drive that with a better number? Okay, that was the premise. If I give you a better number and you're spending money on marketing, Probably going to be easy to remember. You're passing that billboard. Probably going to be easier uh, on, a, on a referral basis. And But it was all about driving voice communication. And believe it or not, I am more excited about it in this increasing digital age. We have an increasing digital age where everything is Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook and quick messages with no emotion, no intonation, no humanity. I am more and more behind and supporter of human interaction through voice. I don't think it's ever going away. I think that technology allows us to do things quicker and there's times when it's not needed, but I don't think anything's ever going to replace a group of human beings or two human beings having a conversation where I could put emotion, immediacy, intimacy, all those things that voice just has that others don't. So it was really about that.
1: So it's been been interesting to me because when we speak to a lot of law firm owners, it seems like many of the the smaller firms are the ones that are just getting started, they're not really as as interested in a in their own vanity number. But the larger firms, eight figure, nine-figure firms, they swear by it. Like wh- why do you think that is?
0: Because I think that they've been down the road, they've seen that it's affordable in any budget. And you know, look, in, in today's day and age, anyone can throw up a website, anyone could pay per click someone if you have the dollars, right? Anyone could put up you know, videos of Twitter. So how do I differentiate? It's what, look, It's what CRISP is all about. In my opinion, it's telling the story of who you are. You know, when I saw the original videos that you've done with, you know, some of the lawyers that we're all friends with, I'm like, now I got to know that person. Because as you showed once, I remember clearly that video you show once, you're like, we fight, we're different, whatever, we fight, we win, we fight. It was like, everything was the same. Well, what's different about people? Well, I don't care what technology you have I don't care how much money you have, you're not Paul Faust. You could build a phone number site just like mine. You could build a parent. Of- you're not me. So I think the the big firms understand that at the end of the day, who Alex Shannara is, right? Or who Seth Bader, who they are, you can't democratize that. That's and they need you need that human connection. The web's a great spot to look, to research, but at some point I want to connect. And I think voice does that. Look, there's only two reasons somebody would not want a good phone number. It, you know, from that part of my world, it's only two reasons whatsoever. One is you don't think it's going to have any effect on your marketing versus a random number. And if that's what you believe, then I haven't done my job. Or you can't afford it. Right? Those are the only two reasons I could think of. And the fact that we, you know, that people get in, you know, good numbers at hundred dollars means you could afford it. I just never understood. Look, I'm in this gorgeous office with you. That lawyers, and not just lawyers, any business, they will pick their domain specific. You pick your location. You pick your tagline, your social media page. I would bet you most of the lawyers listening to this podcast probably looked at a bunch of paint swatches for their office, and they had to decide. And then you went to the phone company and said, just give me seven random. I don't care. Whatever it is off the pile. I never understood that. So that's why I got into the number business, but it's not about phone numbers it's about human connection. My tool just happens to be your number. There's so many more parts of it. So that's, that's why, I, and I still believe in it. I've been doing it 16 years. I'm passionate about it, I care about it. So that, you know, that's what led me through this whole path of, of this industry. So Paul, for the people that know you, you're, you're the guy
1: right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of places you get numbers, but you are almost synonymous with it. Anytime anyone's talking about in any circle that I'm in, they're talking about a phone number. They're like, you got to call Paul Faust. And I'd love for you to just kind of share, like, how did you become the guy? Like, I mean, humility aside, right. just you being known, like
0: industry-wide, like, if this is what you need. This is who you talk to. It was not in the beginning. When the beginning, I was that young sales guy. I had to sell to everybody. I wouldn't let you leave my booth. And then I realized that that's not, the way to do this business. The way to do this business and be the guy is to be the guy for everything, is to be at conferences, to support the industry by taking a booth, not just showing up, sponsoring if you can. When I go to a conference, most people know, you will never see me at my booth. I go booth to booth to booth to booth to booth to booth. I talk to all the other vendors. How can I help you? I'm here for the long haul. I have probably more lawyers that I talk to on a weekly, monthly basis that have never bought numbers from me, that will never buy numbers from me. I help them with, they say, Paul, what conference should I go to? Do you know what mass torts I should invest in? Hey, do you know a lawyer that's done a really good uh, flyer to market to this segment? And I'll say, let, let me go through my database. And fi- I, had one, I had lunch with a lawyer yesterday who said, do you know someone who has a really good client packet that they mail out? I don't want to recreate it. So I realized that if you want to be short-term, make a couple bucks, boxes, yeah, go hustle everybody. If you are a resource in the industry, know that people can call you for everything. Doesn't matter what. I've told a a 1,000 lawyers, I'll sign a contract right now that says you'll never buy anything from me. Call me tomorrow and I'll help you out. Because at the end of the day, it will come around. People will know that you're the guy, that you're not just trying to sell them. You actually believe in what you're doing and that it's the right thing. But they know they can call me for everything else. And I think that that's why I became, in this industry, I show up. Right. I show I put the time in. I try and help as many people as I can. I think a lot of vendors miss it. That you think you have to sit at your booth and try and connect with every lawyer. Well, it's great to do, but if there's a couple of you, like I've gone vendor to vendor, I'm like, there's three of you at this booth. Why? One of you should be at the booth. One of you should be going vendor to vendor to vendor. Guess what? We're all marketing to the same people. We could all help each other out. And the other one could walk around, sit in on the conferences. Do you know how much I learn at most of these conferences? I do not believe in virtual conferences. I don't go to a lot of them. I sat through your entire one. Anybody who thought that that was a conference for law firm growth only missed the point. That was a business growth conference. I could take out the legal trial stuff. I had more notes. I did. I got up maybe 10 minutes at a time um, because I'm learning everywhere because then I could understand where how I could bring value to people. And, and that's what I enjoy doing because I know it comes around. And if it doesn't come around, that's okay too.
1: How long did you think it took just to kind of build up? Like, I mean, how many years, how, you know, across how many events did it really take where you kind of got to that point?
0: It was five years. It was five years of doing the grind, of knowing when to be the man and when to sit back and then looking at the other people and say, okay, they're all around that person. You know, I need to know that person. Like Harlan, we all Harlan. like, everybody looks at this guy. I need to be around that world. And- when you go to conferences, you know, there's people who just want to sit out by the pools all day and do their thing. That's great. It took five years of going to the events, paying my dues, meeting people, asking questions and helping, helping, helping. It's like, you know, Gary Vee, jab, 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 right? You know, how do I give, 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 give? It might not come back from you. If I give to you, maybe you gave to someone else and then eventually comes back to me. But I think it took five years of doing the hustle, the grind, being out there and just trying to give value. I have lawyers. I had a lawyer uh, last week call me, didn't get his numbers from me, never spent a dollar with me, had his number stolen and knew through the industry, me, and reached out to me and my team and say, can you help us? Absolutely. So of course I'm going to do that. You don't have to look at making a nickel on every single thing. There's just a time to do right by our industry. Uh, I also think as an industry, we grow together. If we all help each other out, the more lawyers using numbers, the more lawyers that might want to make a video to, to talk about it. And, and then they have to talk about their intake. So I think it's, you know, I'm one kind of arrow in the quiver. My number does nothing without good marketing, good SEO, good TV, billboards, intake, right? Um, good staff. So I'm literally one piece of the pie. And I, but I believe that I have to build up the whole pie. I have to help everybody else. I try and bring vendors to the event, I get a booth. Because if we all do this together, you know, and and that's just the way I've been wired from pretty young or early on. I'm not trying to be the richest guy in the room. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm trying to be the sort of the happiest and and live life the way I want to do it. Um, And they don't give you a book for that.
1: And to your point, I mean, saying yes. To various opportunities, like you, you playing softball, right, or you showing up to this event, or you participating. I know a lot of people kind of are sitting at the comfort of their own home, or you know they're, they're trying to be the best kept secret. And we talk about the importance of being known, but saying yes to so many different opportunities and showing up and building those relationships—that being so important. I mean, you just at the very onset, you described how much different your life could have been had you not, you know, said yes to certain things, certain things that led you to certain people,
0: and and so on, and and to try new things and. Not, you know, get completely out of my comfort zone because I think when people get out of their comfort zone they, then they move back quickly to the comfort zone, it's like stressing myself. But your clients, like for lawyers, your clients are not, you know, it's not like driving around the street looking for someone in an accident. I like to say, and I don't know, if I didn't create it before the point of impact. Like you should be, people should know you in your community long before they're in an accident. And that means sponsoring the kid's softball team, doing all those things not directly related to being a lawyer, because at the end of the day, they're all doing. You know, there's a million commercials, a million billboards, ads, ads, ads. Who are you as a person? So, so I do as many cool things as I can. I try and now, you know, live life for a living. Um, it, there's very few things I'll say no to. Willing to try anything. I you know, I was in the fire department when I was in New York. Uh, I started you know a couple of the business like the preparedness business. Why? Because I like it, and I married two things I like: preparedness, and I built it around a phone number. So I study Israeli martial arts, I do a lot of charity work and other people are like, yeah, but I spend, you know, 12 hours in my business grinding. how do you build your business doing that stuff? I'm like, because that's how I build my business. I'm out in different circles. I'm meeting new people. And if your ears are open, right, you hear of opportunities and different like get outside your industry. Go to a conference that has nothing to do with lawyers. Go to a wedding planner's conference or a and you're gonna learn different tricks. Oh my goodness! We're not doing that in our industry. Look, I remember when I first met you. There weren't people doing the quality videos you did. No one thought that I need to do a really tell my human story. You saw it and said, "Yeah, this is a mistake. People need to tell these stories." So I go out everywhere because you don't know the next thing you're going to learn, the next tip or technique. So that's why I'm out and as many. We only get one go around at this, and I'm trying to do is live and you know, have as many experiences as I can. Again, I'm not trying to to be the rich guy in the room. Trying to do the most good. So I want
1: to talk about everything else because we're just like barely scratching the surface. We're done with the, we're done with the phone numbers maybe and legal. But when you describe some of the other things you're involved with, like one, the survival kits. Like how did, how did you get into this? Like I know this is something you've been very passionate about, but just why should
0: somebody buy a survival kit? I was a volunteer firefighter, as you know. I've always been into safety and preparedness. And one day, literally, like an epiphany, said, well, why can't I marry two things up?" I Enjoy, which is safety. You know, people would call me. They'd be like, "Hey, do I need a ladder here? Do I have smoke detector? Where should I put an extinguisher?" So I was helping people out. I'm like, "Wait a minute! I can marry two things I love: safety, all that stuff, and branding and marketing, and the phone number business." So I wound up within like a week getting the number one eight hundred repair and built a brand around a number. So it was just, it was almost like it's not a. It was like a side hobby, just something I was passionate about because i didn't read the book that said you have to go to your office and sit at your desk nine hours a day and do the same thing all day i never read that book i don't understand that book people do it but i'm like oh, this will be cool i'm gonna try this and i started a bunch of other fun stuff and it's just the lessons i've learned has opened up other doors and like you know as as we you know uh, you might ask me about it but if i didn't start a preparedness company that's how i wound up getting a role in the office for an episode Oh, because I started a preparedness company. Like it's crazy the way the world takes you in directions if you just put yourself out into it. Paul is one of the most
1: optimistic people you ever meet, but that doesn't quite line up with how you might imagine the founder of a preparedness company, which provides people with the knowledge, plans, and necessary supplies to protect themselves in nearly any
0: disaster. I asked him to elaborate on his approach towards preparedness. So I think it was a mistake of the preparedness industry because they like to talk about earthquakes and volcanoes and locusts and tsunamis. And I I was never that guy. In fact, I was asked once if I would host a podcast on preparedness and they had like 20 other guys. I'm like, sure, but I'm going to make fun of all your other hosts because the reality is it's not what we see. But I'm like, and that's why my tagline at one point was preparing for life's what is. I'm like, is it possible that your child, your wife, your son is driving home at night and the car breaks down on a dark road Is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Okay, so why not have a flashlight and maybe a blinker so no one hits them from behind or a way they can get out of the car? Is it possible that tomorrow night, God forbid, there's a house fire? So shouldn't you have extinguishers and a way to get out? Is it possible that if you go on a hike with your friends, um, somebody breaks a leg and, you you know, you might need a thermal blanket to keep them going to show? Like, I talk about everyday preparedness for the soccer mom, the business owner, I was the anti-preparedness guy that wants to talk about the zombie apocalypse and build a bunker, and we all need four million rounds of ammo and you know how to make a squirrel into a sailboat. Like that's that was never me. I just like, everyday practicality, and I think about it all the time. Um, and so I just started. I'm like, it'll be fun to start a business, and then it's not a it's not a full time it, like it's just a side thing that was fun to start, and it led me to other fun things. It's like a cool thing to do. I know we said we weren't going to go there. We're probably going to go there,
1: but I just. <laughs> Just existing on this earth and seeing the things going on in the world, right? So the importance of being trained in in combat, right? Uh, being able to protect yourself, all these different things. Like, this is something I know you're very passionate about, but, but why?
0: I, I don't know where it came from. It's just the way I've always been wired. You know, they say, okay, there's, you know, the sheep out there and there's wolves and there's sheep dogs that have to protect them. Like, I've just... It wasn't by choice. I think you just wired to want, you know, when there was something going on, I ran towards it. So I was a volunteer firefighter for years. I trained in, I started out in Krav Maga. Now it's Haganah with the greatest instructor, Mike Lee and Eric. And it's not about, I don't, I don't go out thinking I'm going to, you know, get attacked or the world's bad. But my house has never burned down and I have fire insurance. And I just want to be that person for my friends, my family, other people I care about, that if something is going down, and, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, tsunami wave hitting Atlanta, talking about a situation, maybe a fire in a mall, maybe a a bad person. Well, someone needs to be able to step up and hopefully make the situation better. So it's just something, you know, that I'm just passionate. I enjoy doing it. It's de-stressing for me. And it's not paranoid. I mean, people look as paranoid. When I go to a restaurant, one of the first things I do is I look where the exits are. Like I want to know where the other, at. is that crazy to think about? No, it takes me one second to look around and go, okay, there's a back exit. If I go to a concert hall, all right, where do I get out of here if I had to? And I think if you're just wired that way and I try and, you know, I look at, I tell my kids, you know, walking out of a mall at night, putting your head down and staring at the phone and not paying attention to where you're walking. We're the only species on the planet that the hair on the back of our neck will stand up and we'll ignore it out of fear, embarrassment. All of the species will, will run or fight. We'll say, ah, uh, something's not right. I don't want to deal with it. And so I think if just people more aware, but it's not paranoid, it's just the way I live. And it, and it, you know, I check things out. I look who's coming in. I look for things that are abnormal. Just the way I've been wired.
1: The things you're describing me, they only have to happen once, right? I mean, you could say, oh yeah, it's extremely unlikely, but if you have no plan, remember that book years ago, like when violence is the answer. And it, it's interesting. I would challenge anyone who believes that violence is never the answer to, to read the book. Um, but the importance of, look, if something's going to happen with, with your spouse or they're out alone or whatever it is, at least them knowing how to handle that situation. Because if there is no plan, I mean, it could be
0: catastrophic. Just like a business. But it's not all about violence. It could be that someone got hurt and a lot of people lock up and get afraid. They tunnel vision. Well, we're calling someone who could say, you know, all right, calm down. You know, call that one, start. So to me, it's it's everyday preparedness and that life. It's not about, you know, what the preparedness industry likes to perpetuate, which is we're going to have a zombie, you know, the Y2K, the whole world's going to collapse. You better have 8 million food stores. I don't buy that. Just be prepared for you get in a car accident or you, you get hurt or some, listen to your intuition. If you're sitting in a, on a subway car and the hair in the back of your neck stands up, most likely it's because something's not normal. That's how we've evolved listen to it so you know what I do I don't go get ready to attack people. you know what? I do I move to another subway car if I'm walking down the street and there's people coming at me and something tri- I go to the other side of the street is that paranoia no it's like why why deal with it why have to deal with the situation when I can be aware of the situation so that's it's just a passion for me and again it, these little things I've done but they've all led to other things you know they've all led to you know uh, different companies different business partnerships so even going back to the legal industry um I help a number of other companies because of the way I've done this space, because of the way I network and take care of people. I have this great – that I'm not there to make a dollar off people, that I'm trying to help people. I've had a number of opportunities come to me, A, a one that you know uh, just started two weeks ago, um, which we could talk about. And it, it was all because when you do things right and you provide value and all this other stuff, opportunities come. But you have to be in the game. So there was the unique opportunity of being on The
1: Office. Yes. I mean, I know you've told this story before, but for the people who haven't heard it, which I'm sure is going to be a lot of people listening, what led to to that? And I mean, and really cool guy, Paul, which is, I mean, of all things that you could have been on The Office when you were, when you. <laughs> Thank God they called me that. Yeah. And, and it's even, it's funny because it seems like it's
0: coming back now. People still write blog posts about it years later, all these, you know, it, it lives on. I got my first, someone reached out to me on Facebook found me and asked if they could mail me something to autograph, which is crazy. Um, so I started the preparedness business, but my wife's family created the office, uh, wrote on the office. And I was out in California on phone number business with my business partner. And this is where I always talk about, you never get out in the world. You see what like we want to, and I had nothing to do one day. So I called the Rello and said, Hey, do you mind if I come to the set? I'm a fan of the show. Do you mind if I so like, yeah, come by? So I spent the whole day on the set and literally hair and makeup, I met everybody. And then Greg Daniels, who created the show, said, you want to meet the writers? So I went up to the writer's room, and he's like, ah, this is my cousin Paul, he's a little crazy, tell him what you do. And I don't know why I decided, instead of talking about the ring boost, I talked about the preparedness company. I think there might've been an earthquake in California. So I said, ah, I started this company preparedness, talk for like three minutes. And I'm like, all right, we gotta get back to work, get out. I walked out of the room, now unbeknownst to me, BJ Novak said, that guy's gotta be a character on the show. And he wrote a part based on me. So from what I read, they wrote the part and then they f- tried to find the actor. Yeah. And they couldn't find an actor to play me. I get a call the day before they're shooting. It says, hey, this is Paul Lieberstein to plays w Hey, Paul, it's Paul. Look, I don't know if you're interested or you can do this, but we we created a character based on you. We can't find an actor to play the part. Do you want to audition for the part? I'm like, whatever. It's, is this a hidden camera show? Like, what's the... Ju-? And it turned out that, no, they couldn't find someone to play me. So that I auditioned to play me and the span of Three hours, got the part, uh, was on my way to the airport, flew out to California and shot this episode playing myself. And great, great. I was on the office front, but that opportunity has helped me get on Other podcasts to talk about lawyer marketing, to talk about phone numbers. How exciting is it to talk to a guy with phone numbers? Okay, it's interesting. I can tell you a lot of stories about phone numbers. Who cares? But I can tell you about my experience on the office, my experience you know running the American Cancer Society events. It's more to talk about. And that's what I think a lot of people, lawyers are missing. It's all about, I'm a lawyer, a lawyer. I got this settlement. I did this. I went to this law school. Different from your videos. No, it talks about who you are as a human. What have you done? What is the charity helmet and heads that, you know, that Spiver does? Like, that's who he is. And so th- these are the things that I get to talk about in my life because I experience life. I'm a coach with Jesse Itzler, as you know, and it changed my whole life. So it's opened me up to meet more people. And then it builds my businesses and I and I love it helmet and heads. I was just like, I was
1: wrapping that (laughs) concept. I think it's heads and helmets.
0: (laughs) Helmets. Okay. That's funny. I was just just trying to visualize that. But you know what? He told me that over 10 years ago, but I remembered it because it was something different about him. He didn't tell me I'm the greatest trial lawyer or I did this case. Talking about a charity that, wait a minute. I said to him, wait, your charity is to actually prevent traumatic brain injuries, which means less business for you. And he's like, absolutely. I hope there's never a child with a head injury. I'm like, Now I know that guy. Now I know who he is versus all the other guys just saying, I fight, I win, you know. But I know who he was. And I've stayed friends with him, you know, since because he's, it's the uniqueness. Internet's not taking away our uniqueness. It really
1: is like this mindset of, of probably giving and abundance. Joe Freed's the same way. He's, he's working on like road policy to make it, you know, safer and reduce the number of trucking accidents, right? That would
0: actually, you know, over a long enough span reduce business to him. Absolutely. But, but it's the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is always the right thing. And those are the people, there's a reason those are the successful guys, right? There's a, there's a reason they're the leaders of our industry because it's not just about, you know, the buck today, or they want to ultimately end their industry. I think if, if a lot of the mass tort lawyers, they would love it if there was never a dangerous drug on the market, they would love to make themselves obsolete. They talk about all the time by putting policy in place to stop it from happening. That's the right way to do things. Because you know what? If we could do that, they'll find other ways to make a living, to do good in the world, and we'll shift and move. So that's how I try and live my life. People will rarely see me at a conference pitching what I sell. I go, hey, what, how can I help you? Or I'll say, if someone comes over and says, hey, I want to talk about numbers. I'm like, great. Give me your card. You didn't come here to talk to me. Get back in there and listen to Mark Lanier speak. We'll talk later. And I think that's how you do it right. And you know what? It's been very good for me. And, and new opportunities have popped up left and right in the industry where I'm I get to help other people out and grow my income, my database, because I've helped other people. And now I could um, help my all these relationships I know do better things and grow their firms. So there's going to be
1: somebody listening to this podcast and they're thinking, okay, Paul, that sounds good. But you're already known, you're established. It's easier to talk about the good that you do. But here I am starting out and I don't have any money.
0: And it's like, it's easy for you to say, right? What, what would you say to that person? So Great. You don't have the money. You're not going to compete with the guys who do have money. You can't outspend them, right? You're not, you're just not going to do it. It's a great way to go bankrupt. So you don't have the money. Yes, you have to spend more time in the office. I did the 10, 12 hour days, but how you spend your days, like, do you spend time networking every day? Like if you're an attorney, I I would say the first thing you do is get to know all the attorneys in your market, invite all your competitors out and have lunch together. There's nothing that you need to, to know or do that someone hasn't done already. I got, I got in yesterday um, and had lunch with an attorney and he brought two other attorneys. I'm like, they're your competitors. He said, yes, and we're friends and there's plenty of business. So it's not about money. It's And and it's not about, um, I'm not working. I'm just not working the way you think work should be done. You think work should be done that I should be out there pitching numbers all day in every industry. And I'm out talking to people about other things and how I can help them. And then having experience, which leads me to grow. So think about the time you're spending it's not all, you know, are you going out in your community? Are you going to your church, your synagogue? Are you doing volunteer work? Are you sponsoring the baseball team? Are you the one out there long before the accident ever happened or the injury or whatever you're trying to, the divorce? Like they should know you before and they're not going to know you just because you threw ad dollars. Yes, that helps some people. and There's some guys who their names out there. But at the end of the day, somebody just wants to be t- taken care of. They want uh, somebody who could help them. Be the guy that helps them not when they need you. That's what I've done. I'm the guy that you can call when you don't need me. So when you do need me, I'm absolutely the guy you're going to call. Maybe it's a function
1: of like delayed gratification, right? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that say, "Hey, I want to help other people. Uh, but is that something I can start doing once I've helped myself? And I, which I actually disagree with. I actually think when you help others succeed, like if someone was saying, hey, I have nothing, I'm just starting out. I actually think that's a lesson that a lot of people, successful people learn later on that I could have gotten there a lot faster had I been focused on supporting other people and helping other people. Um, But we keep talking about the importance of making that contact, right, to actually getting yourself out there, whether it's attending a conference, whether it's participating in something, whether it's just being helpful to someone else. And it seems like a lot of this is of the mindset of just not making about, hey, I got to win today. It, as opposed to, let me focus on a longer term outlook. Like I'm going to be around for a while. Let me like build the right reputation. Let me help enough people. Like, you know, who knows three years from now, something might materialize from something I'm doing today. Right. And and the
0: thing that you're doing, you don't know where the success is going to come from. You're doing it right and playing the long game. You'll get brought in. Look, let's be honest. And I joked about this with a bunch of people. I'm going to say it on air because I think it's funny. I'm going to do this, podcast, Mike Mogul, game changing attorney podcast. Joe Freed. Papantonio, Marcus Limonis, Tim Grover, John Morgan, Paul Faust. I'm like, you know what? You're damn right. You're damn right, because I've been in the business. I've helped people uh, for the right reasons. I wasn't looking to sell everybody anything. I don't think I've ever sold you a number. Like, I saw you when you were young. I'm like, "I I think this guy's great. And that's why I'm on the podcast with the biggest names, not only in the legal industry, but in the marketing world, and the self-help world, and you invited me to be on the podcast. Well, think about that when you're out in your community and you're thinking about how you want to run your practice or your business or whatever. People are watching. And that includes the good stuff you do and the dumb stuff we all do. They're watching, but I'm trying to do it over. So people literally want to help you. When you do things right, I get it all the time. I get a call from Harlan. I would not be in business if it wasn't for him. He create helped create the legal marketing industry. You know, he says to me every time, this is hard. What can I do for you? How can I help you? You said it to me. And Paul, I'm not taking no for an answer. I wonder how I can help. Because when you do things right, people want to help you. They want to do right. And I have to tell you guys, look, I'm good. When the opportunities arise, don't go out of your way. But I'm a long-term player. I'm not going anywhere. I want to do this for a long time. And I joke, I was staying there. say, if every one of my friends became billionaires, I my heart would explode. Makes me happy watching other people succeed. So, I just think it's a different approach than the me 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 and I have to win and I have to be the best and I have to this that and the other. I'm just being a different best. And I think lawyers need to think about that too in their communities and how they market.
1: So, there was this tattoo that you got I think when you when you turn 50 and I don't know if you I don't know if you were always this way or if there was some catalyst that like in in the last several years that had led to this focus on just like health and personal development, all these different things. But then, if you could talk about that and this idea of no zero days.
0: Yeah. So no zero days was a was a quote I learned from Jesse Itzler, um, and I was actually talking about this uh, outside with Emily about I was going to write a thank you note to anxiety. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, and you'd say that's crazy. You know, you're you got a family, you got a house, you own a company. You know, we talked about being grateful, and, but I would have anxiety every night and. It led me to say, well, all right, why? Start thinking about what is it about? How do you change it? It's not medications. Oh, you know, obviously it'd be helpful. And I started down this road of trying to understand mindset, attitude, gratitude, being grateful for the life I lead, which led me to Jesse Itzler's program, to Jesse. Um, I did a, a program of his that was called Build Your Life Resume. It was a year program. And I just started to read and understand all the things I have in my life and how to live it right. And when I did that, my anxiety started to drop away, drop away, drop away, drop away. And I started to help more and more people. Like if, if you handed me a check right now, you know, I would spend my life talking in high schools and colleges about the stuff I didn't know when I was younger about. Like, I remember coaching lacrosse and I would tell the parents, look, I'm gonna teach your kid to be a, a great teammate, a good winner, a good loser, a good person. If they happen to learn a little lacrosse, you could tip me. It's not what it's about. So I went on that journey. Uh, started reading, listen to podcasts, Jesse's course. I stayed with it. He started another one called the Big Ass Calendar Club. He eventually asked me to be a coach in the program. And this was just one of the sayings, no zero days. Like, and a no zero day doesn't mean, you know, write a book or give a TED talk. It could mean take a walk with your daughter. It can mean help somebody. It can mean learn something new. We're only given one go around. I don't want to have a zero day. And I, and I put it on my arm because I literally look at it every day Like, and I think about it all the time. Like, you know, we saw what happened in Surfside. Do you think the people in that condo that went to bed that night thought they had another day? Of course they did. And I don't know when, you know, when my day's up, you know, we're we're in the middle of a pandemic, all these things are happening around the world. So I don't want to have zero day. And no zero day, it's not about money to me. It's not about making the next sale. It's about living life, experiencing life, building my life resume, not my paper resume, but guess what? All that way of living unbelievably the less i focus on my business like pure grind the business the more my business grows the more people want to talk to me the more people are interested the more people want to have me on their pockets the more people go tell me about this and it grows my business
1: so this idea of wanting to to help other people i mean just just in general because i I know everywhere you go you're talking about all the things that are that are helping you and you want other people to do better you want to be happier more energized um paul how, how old are you now i am turning 52 in october 52 and you've you, you seen that more energy than ever, like you're in better shape than ever, but I'm curious, like, where, like, why, right? Like why want to help people because it's not financial gain, right? Like, is there something in your life or something, whether it's, it could be childhood or whatever it is that like,
0: that drives you to want to, to help other people? I can't pinpoint it. Look, I think it was the way I was brought up on my parents. Um, it's always been the way I have been wired. And I think, and I, I, I talk to people a lot about this. None of us can change the world but I could change one person, I could change two people, and then they could change people. And a lot of things that we could do every day that every single person listening can do in their day cost zero dollars. Takes no, is it hard when you walk into the hotel to tell the door guy um, how great it looks and you know thank you so much? Or when you're walking through the mall and say to the janitor, this place is spotless. Like it cost me zero dollars to, you don't know the life you touch. Maybe the person that I said something kind to, maybe that day they were thinking about killing themselves because their life was at an end. Maybe they didn't find value. But if I can, every single person I connect with, if I could leave something positive, if we all focused on that, forget our differences. Forget that I have one political affiliation. I have a religious affiliation. I live here. We are all human beings. And the the joy it brings me in my life when I can help other people or see people smile or give them a little nudge or or just turn their day around. Like I might've turned the day around for someone who was gonna change the world. I don't know, doesn't cost me much. And like we go out of conferences and I always organize the tables to go to the club at night. And I'm sitting there and people are like, Paul, come on, have some fun. I'm like, you don't understand. If you guys are having fun and everybody is safe and everybody gets home back, I, I couldn't be more fulfilled. I, when I get to my room at night, a lot of times I'll text people, did you get, make it back? Did you make it back? Like, you don't understand, that's what brings me joy. And I don't know if it was one thing. I've always done charity, but in the beginning I just did, now I'm much more conscious about it that I can do the littlest things. I don't have to cure cancer. Um, I don't have to solve world peace. I can make your day slightly better. I can make one of your salespeople's day slightly better. I could tell someone great job. You know, I could overtip someone just because. I tell them if we can go out today, cause you and I want to have a $300 lunch and order a $200 bottle of wine. If we could do that, I can overtip an Uber driver one day, or just say, you know what? Thank you for getting me there safely. And I, I want, if everyone does it, you'll be amazed how much more like we are than different and how you will watch people grow. To me, that's, you couldn't pay me. You couldn't pay me for that. I don't care what the check is. I love it. And, and, it, and you know what? It's not why you do it, but it comes around all the time when you hear people say, thank you, or uh, I've changed my this. And for those of you with kids, especially in junior high and high school, you think they're not listening or watching? They are. I have the text message my son sent me who's now going to be a junior in college. And he said, dad, I just want to let you know, I get it now. He goes, it's not just about going to the parties that were now my friends and I, we take a day and we go to the lake and we cook dinner and I was listening. You don't think people are. Everybody is watching you. Whether you think they are or they aren't. So carry yourself all the time the way you want to be seen because people are watching and they notice. And that's if you're a lawyer running your practice, if you're the guy walking out and playing golf and yelling at them to work, they notice. But if you're the one doing charity and helping, they notice that too. So um, I just, I don't know. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. I, I'm so much happier. It's amazing. The changes. And by the way, again, I'll say it over and over again. The more I focus on this, the more my business grows, the more opportunities come to us, the more people want to work with me. I'm like, but I thought I had to put my head down and grind all day. You don't. You can grind, but in different ways.
1: Correct, and, and I think in the way that you're doing it, it's bringing you energy. So we, we talk a lot about success. Like what, what does success mean to you?
0: Uh, what does success mean to me? Wow, it's such a tough one because it's not it's not money. It's about being able to have life experiences. That's one. I want so I can have experiences You know, with my family, myself, my friends. So success is being able to do that and to do more good. I want more money so I can do more good. Uh, success is that when it's my time and I'm up, there's a line of people that want to talk about how I helped them. Not a line of people like I would I would want to be that guy if I was a billionaire or a pauper that people would like to say, I want to talk about how he helped me. That's success to me. Not the guy with the biggest house or the guy with the free Tesla. Thank you, Mike Mogul. Um, <laughs> which was
1: another you know <laughs> another opportunity that came up as a result of I mean, years and years ago, I don't remember what the first time we met. And I, and I apologize for this, but it must have been at, at some event when like we barely like, you know, had the money to even get a booth and no one had any idea who who, who I was or who the company was. And you talked to me, right? Whereas everybody else, I was like, you know, we, we were in this massive exhibit hall and I was like, oh all these guys have it all figured out and you know, here I am trying to like make something of this. Um, I don't know if we'll be back next year or something like that, but you came up and you talked to me and you kind of gave me the lay of the land. I
0: remember all this. Why did you do that? because it's the right thing to do, because I was there. I was the young vendor, didn't know what to do, didn't know anybody. So, and if I, look, I can go to that conference and I could sit at my booth and I could just grind and try and sell, or I could find a guy like you, say, tell me what you're about. All right, here's how I can help. And guess what? 10 years, I don't remember, maybe it was 10 years ago. In that time, I won a car at your conference. I've worked with your clients. I'm on your podcast. Like, I didn't ask for any of it because I just did what was right by someone who I thought was doing good for the industry and had a great product, and it's it was never about oh and, and you'll pay me X every time I send you. Something. It was this guy's got a great product. He's he's smart. I want to help him, and look what happened. Even though it was unplanned, look at all the stuff we've done together and the exposure. You played my video at, at the largest conference ever in the legal space. You played a video that you we you, we did together, which ironically was a video parroting our videos, pa- parroting your videos, parroting me, parroting lawyers. But you know what? Everybody talks about it. Because everybody gets, it's okay. We could be, we're in a very serious business. Changing lives, saving lives, people who are in their, you could also laugh at yourself a little bit. And I do it all the time, probably more than most people. I love to laugh. But that exactly tells the story of why I am sitting here today on a podcast that has the biggest, most respected names in this industry and in the self, uh, Marcus Lamonis, Tim Groh, these people in the podcast. And so is Paul Fowles. Why? Because 10 years ago, I talked to, I was you and your wife. I know the conference we're at. And I talked to him, I'm like, I watched you speak. I'm like, this guy's wicked smart. I I wanna, let me see if I can, he's gonna get there without Paul Faust. All these vendors get there. But if I could accelerate that and and help somebody, that is why I'm sitting here. Not sitting here because I'm the best phone number salesman or I'm incredibly good looking. I wanna see if you would smile. Um, It's because I did that. But it was planting that seed, you know, who, I don't remember whose book it was. They talk about bamboo. You know, you plant bamboo and you water it every day and it doesn't grow for like two or three years. And then after like two or three, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing, it like grows like a foot a day or something. Well, this is my growth because 10 years ago, I did the right by as many people as I could do right by. And if—and again, if I was not sitting here, I still know I did the right thing. And look, I met you, I don't even know if yeah, you, you know, you could rub two nickels together. You have the most gorgeous building, the most successful company industry, in not videos, in every part of lawyer growth, in videos, in training, in management, in why? Did I have one little piece of, of, of help in there along the way? Maybe, maybe not. But you know what? That's how you do it. And it's led me to all the great things I have and what I'm ultimately grateful for every day um, is doing that stuff. And, and you just have to be wired that way. But to be wired like me, you may not be, but you are certainly wired to give a compliment to someone. You are certainly wired to make someone smile. You're certainly wired that five minutes out of your day, check on some people. You know, it's a big joke with all these, you know, lawyers at Anthony Johnson. You know, he's like, Oh, there's my monthly email. I just, I'm not trying to sell anything. I've never, I'm like, hey, man, you good? Anything I can help you with? You can all do that. And I guarantee you, your law firms will grow if you start doing that more to other lawyers, to other vendors, and to people outside the industry. Then they're going to say, wait a minute, I do have an issue. A friend of mine just asked me about this. Hey, you got to talk to Alex Shannara. And so it's it's just, I don't know, it's just, uh, I wish they were teaching this stuff in school. I think they teach lawyers in law school how to be great lawyers. Um, they teach a lot of kids in college how to be, doc- they don't teach this sort of stuff. Uh, you have to go out and seek it.
1: I'm just thinking like the number of people that are getting shout outs <laughs> on this well, podcast
0: from you. But, no, because that's why I'm here. I'm here because of every one of them. Even the ones who didn't believe in me or didn't like me or try to knock me down. I am here because of all of them. So I, it's not me. It is all those people. And, and there's so many more to name that I haven't. You know, it's like when you give out the award ceremony, like who did I forget? I didn't say they'd be, they'd be playing the music for you because- right, <laughs> I want to, because I know that every single bit of who I am is because of my parents, my friends the people, I connect with people who helped me, the people who told me like, I could throw one more. Every single one of these people has, has made me like to live this life I lead. And so I'm grateful for every single one. I literally wish with the entire podcast, I could just talk about all the people I'm grateful for. Uh, I literally live a blessed life.
1: So over the years, I'm, I'm sure is, through all of these different connections, you've gotten a lot of advice.
0: What's been the best advice you've received? What's been the worst advice you've received? I, I would think the best advice I ever received was you know play the long game. If you're trying to Make a lot of money and flip this in a year. Great, just you know. But if this is your career and this is what you want to do, be in it for. Don't. It's not about selling everybody something. It's about helping people. And that was the the best advice. I think a lot of people when they come out, especially when they get a job. Like, look, I know the people who get a job here with you. I've I've been in your offices. Watch. Hey, what's your KPIs? Who'd you hit today? And it's a lot of that grind because you have to perform. Look, you're paying lots of money. You have a gorgeous building. You have salaries, benefits. Um, and in the beginning, I was like that, but then I, you know, the best advice I got was play the long game, that it's not about, you don't have to celebrate today, do it right and you'll sell people forever and other opportunities will come to you. So I think that was the, probably the best advice. And then I think you actually gave me a great piece of advice. I, I know it was you. And I said, Mike, you know what? I'm, I know that I'm a better networker than most people. I know I'm one of the best salesmen in the world. Like I believe that if you're a salesperson, you don't find another career. And I said, you know what? I really, I really just... I suck at understanding the numbers. I really got to understand the finance of the company. And, and you said to me, no, you don't. I remember it was fun. You said, no, you don't. You got to get a CFO to do that. And you got to keep getting better at what you're the best at. You told me that in a phone call. And I was like, literally was a flip of a switch. Because if you go to my, there's a book on small business, financial accounting. I'm like, I got to learn all this stuff. I'm the president of the company. And you were like, no, be awesome at what you do. Be the best at it and get a team around you. That's good at the other things. It's true. Like like, like Paul, I have told you, I, I, I think
1: the only reason or or way that I look good is because I have an amazing team of human beings. I I probably couldn't even set up this microphone. I could barely tie my shoes leaving the house today. Like there's so many great people that make that real. And I remember talking about that at the Evolve Summit. I'm like, look, this is what you guys see. You see us on stage and you, you kind of see all these people because like, it's a virtual conference. So they have like videos of everybody on their Zoom behind us and everything. But I'm like, did you know there's almost 150 people working this event right now that are the reason why this is this is even on, right? but there's a light on, there's like something plugged in, these people showed up, all this stuff. And yet you only see one person. So. Somebody actually, this is is interesting, um, because this will be an interesting topic for us to go down. People will be critical of everything. So when I opened up that conference, the very first thing I said was, I know usually people save this for the end. But I want to express my gratitude for everybody working this event and like all these people and, and so on. And then somebody recently reached out to me and, and was trying to give me advice saying that, um, that that wasn't the right way to start the event thanking others, that it, you know, I could have started on a higher note or something like that. And that like um, going in and talking about other people, I should have talked about you know, the event or myself or something. I don't know. But it was amazing. There was a human on this earth that was critical of me thanking other people.
0: And the answer is thank you so much. I like I can go, what are you talking about? Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. And I move through it now. I don't, I'm not letting anybody get, you know, me mad. You're not gonna own my space. I remember I said to you, Mike, um, you were, you know, you build these. I'm like, there's all the naysayers making fun of Mike Mo, this day, you know, look at the way he does the booth. I'm like, okay, Mike, don't make no excuses. There's people you show it on you think like, these people who said, stop emailing me. Those people took the time to email you. So that's another piece of advice that I would give everybody is, um, you know, do you the way you think is right. I'm not saying run over people and hurt people, but there are always going to be naysayers. Most of those naysayers are out there because they're jealous. They're afraid. They're look, they're genuinely ones that give you advice to try and help you. But a lot of people just, they want to knock you because they're not going to be you. And so it's easier to knock someone. If I got out of this business for every person that told me that phone numbers were going to be obsolete 10 years ago. Or why are you in the phone number business? Switch to, I'm like, no, this is what I do. Be you, be authentic. Don't try, I, I can't be Mike Mogul. I can't be Mark Lear. No one can be Paul Faust. So I'm authentic, take it or leave it. If I'm doing something to hurt you, I wanna know about it. But you be, always believed in your mission. I believe in what I do, despite the naysayers. And, and for most entrepreneurs, that's the way it is. Come on, as an entrepreneur, how many people support you versus saying you're crazy?
1: the more the successful you are, probably the more um, naysayers you have. And they usually, I mean, they disguise themselves, right? So I've learned they, they'll say things like, I'm worried about you.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure you are. No, they're saying, this is unbelievable. What they're really saying is, what you're doing is unbelievable. Like, and I don't think I could do it, but man, keep, you know? And you've always stayed on that. And it doesn't mean you haven't taken advice and maybe zigged a little, but I've stayed true to what I think is right and the right way to do things. And then I take constructive criticism. I want you to tell me where I'm doing things wrong, but I'm staying my course and doing it my way. And I think that's what led me to be successful in this business is, is that I stayed my course, not when all the naysayers came out. And if you listen to every naysayer, there's no way. You can't run a conference. Who was this guy to charge this amount of money? Who is this, this, this? And you showed me all the people, you showed me all the, the emails, yeah, this is a joke. Okay. And I, we talked about it. The first time you did your conference, more people showed up to that conference than 99% of legal conferences. And here was a video vendor putting on a law firm conference. There's other ones like NTL, the great conference, and you had that many people in your first one. So don't listen to the naysayers. If you know it's right, lean into it. They'll eventually come on board. I could, I'm could. i not going to say names of people who told me, hey, Mike Mogul, Chris. Probably be a longer list yeah. than the shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're all telling me, hey, when you go down there, tell Mike he deserves every bit of success. He's awesome. And it's great what he's done. They weren't there the whole time. So I think that's important. But going back to the one more, because I think it is it's important, something we, t- we talked about a few minutes ago, it's hard to step away and let somebody else run the intake, somebody else run the marketing, somebody else pay the office bills. Go be either the face of the firm, go be the lawyer. Get a team around you and free yourself up to be what you're great at. That was the advice you gave me. It was a few years ago. You said, no, you don't have to be a, a CFO. Get a good one. Be great at being Paul Faust. And I think that a lot of lawyers, a lot of business owners don't do that well. They think they have to do every part of the business. And I think you, the ones you see explode understand how to have the right team around them, that they do what they're great at. And some of them are, some of them it's trial. Others it's referrals. other it's marketing. Uh, I think that's a, that's one of the biggest things. I, I trust my team that like, I, I tell them stop asking me questions. I trust you. Make the decision. If it's wrong, we'll talk about it. But go do it and do what you think is right. So I think that's been a big change for me too. And I think, Business owners need to understand that if you're a great martial artist, be the great martial artist, hire someone else. Don't try and run the business. So let's let's briefly talk about bad advice because we could do a whole se- segment
1: on this, but just like bad advice that either you've received or like that you, you, you've heard people give, like what, what have been some examples of that?
0: One was get out of the business. Phone numbers to be obsolete. One was uh, you got to charge the most you can get. Like it's an asset charge the most you can get, which to me is a very short sighted approach. I've had advice Paul, you need, to, you need to grind. Why are you never at your booth? Like, you got to get back there. People are coming to your booth. And, and I'm like, okay. But my approach has been talk to everybody. I listen to way too many vendors complain to me that um, this show is terrible. This conference was terrible. Nobody came and talked to me. And those were the vendors that I saw sitting at the booth the entire time. They were never walking around talking to other vendors. They never went to the bar. They never you know, went into the, into the sessions and I've had literally lawyers call me and say, are you going to mass tort? Can you take notes on uh, a all and I'm like, okay. So uh, the advice of, you got to focus on ring boost. You got to beat your booth. You got to sell, sell, sell. That was terrible advice. And I, and was also a marketing company we hired um, that told me that we should never go on the, con- never go to conferences, never go out, that we need to build the business so people line up and come to us. And, Excuse me, I I thought that was crazy. Because again, there's. I learned this from my father. I I remember distinctly. My dad flew from New York to Europe, got on another plane, flew to Africa, got on a bus, drove through the jungle to a meeting at a gold mine that was 10 minutes long. And I said to my dad, you couldn't have done that over a phone call? And he said, absolutely not. There's nothing like shaking someone's hand, looking in their eyes, breaking bread with a human being that yes, FaceTime and conferences are great there was nothing like human connection so that was probably the worst piece of advice we ever got as a business was no conferences do everything you know get everybody to come to you i'm like that's crazy because also when you're out in the world you see a lot of opportunities and you see a lot of things going on that you don't see at your desk when i go to the crisp conference or mass tort i hear the language of the industry i don't hear that at my desk I, i read websites I see what people are talking about. I see what other vendors are pushing. I see what other cases, I see the problems. So when you go out, you see people and literally shake hands or fist bump now. That's where you learn the most. Too many people don't get that. That by getting out of your regular environment, right? You see a lot of things you would not normally see. So that was really bad advice. And then I doubled down the other way and I started traveling more and getting out in situations more. And guess what? Found more opportunities. Met more people, even in the most unlikely spots. You know, I went to a legal conference, but there happened to be someone there that also markets to the medical community and said, hey, I work with chiropractic. Can you do phone numbers for them too? Boom, that wouldn't have happened if I just sent emails out to lawyers. So, right, Uh, those are all the things that, you know, as a lawyer, um, just grinding in your office, you know, probably not a good idea. First of all, there's nothing that you have to figure out that other lawyers in, in your community and around the country haven't done already. So go talk to them. What is some, look, there's huge value in um, coming to your conference and seeing the speakers. I'm going to argue that there's equal value in sitting at the round table with other lawyers at the same conference, talking about what the people on stage just talked about or just getting to know each other. I'll tell you a true story from Chris. I was sitting at a table with other vendors. I'm not going to say who they were. Friends of mine in the industry. And then I walked out to go to the bathroom and I talked to a lawyer who said, Hey, Paul, I'm I'm not happy with my source of uh, mass tour cases. You know, can you help me out? And I'm like, you know what? Interesting enough, I happen to be sitting with guys right now, the front row. You want to come eat them? He's like, sure, we'd love to. Walked in, say, hey, this is uh, someone's so mm-hmm. yeah. Look, he's looking for this. Maybe you guys can talk and help him out, whatever. And I left. I said, let me go. That lawyer did over a million dollar deal with that firm within 30 days. Does that happen if I'm sitting in front of my computer at my office? Does that vendor get that? No, it happened because I was in the right place, talking to people, hearing what their problems were, and then knowing how I could help solve it. And it just so happened, it had nothing to do with my business, had nothing to do with my product, but there was a pain point. And so that happens by being out at these conferences, meeting other people, talking. You know, that's where I learned, you know, hey, Paul, when I started, it was all toll-free numbers. And it was guys like Steve Nober and others that told me, what about local? What about tracking? What about non-words? I wouldn't have got this sitting in my office in my own little bubble telling me everything I was doing was great. It was the industry telling me maybe you should think about this.
1: Oh, and also don't forget to go to the bathroom,
0: right? Because you, you never know what would happen, you know, on, on the way there or on the way back. You also don't know what's going to happen when you introduce yourself. You could literally, as a lawyer at the, in the next Chris conference, shake hands with a lawyer and say, well, Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Atlanta. Where are you from, Georgia? I mean, I, I'm from uh, Montana. Oh my God. I have a case right now, and I was and I was looking for a Montana lawyer. Like, that simple shake hand and talk to a human could have landed you the biggest case you've seen because you said hello to someone. I, people, I try to know everybody because I don't know, and it's not networking for me. That's not, I think another mistake people make. People network for themselves. I network for networking to build my network because I want to be that resource. Do you know how many times a lawyer calls me and says, "Paul, I have a case in this state. Who should I send it to?" Because they know that I talk to everybody. So when you're out of these conferences sitting it in your by yourself and just taking notes and then running out and calling your office, you know, stop. You're here. Hopefully they'll all be in Atlanta. You're here. If you could walk out of here and have met every single person that came to the Chris conference, I guarantee you your business will grow because they they got a referral for you. They have an idea that you're doing wrong. They could change one word in your marketing piece. They have a client packet they sent out and you're trying to create one and the guy's going to hand it to you. Just saved you $10,000, $15,000 in months of time but too many people aren't doing it. They're, they think they're competitors or they're afraid to ask. No way. I highly, highly, highly encourage people to talk to everybody because you don't know where that opportunity is going to come from. People didn't talk to Mike Mogul. He was a small old guy with his wife, you know, trying to sell a couple of videos. Now everybody wants to talk to Mike Mogul. And soon everyone's going to want Mike Mogul to speak at their firms at their conferences. They didn't want to talk to you then.
1: No. And I, if I'm recalling the, the, the same conference we met that same day, When I I went up to speak, I think I ripped my pants on the way up the stage, right? And it's so interesting. It's like every time I tell the story, I now talk about ripping my pants, which in the the moment was incredible. I felt embarrassed and all all this other stuff. But now it's like, it's a great thing to share. And what are we without our experiences and actually even being present from those? So like in, in everything you've described, it involved looking up from your phone, right? Like Facebook will be there when you get back, email will be there. But if you look up from your phone, you might see all this
0: opportunity and all this possibility around you wherever you are. Right, and, and a lot of consultants in this business talk about lawyers that if you can't put your phone down and be present at a conference for 24 hours or 48 hours, you're doing something wrong in the business. I understand there's emergencies, but you're coming to a conference, someone's putting you in a spot with the best vendors, the best speakers, and, the, and other great lawyers, and you're on your phone talking to your office or your home, disconnect from it because all of the talent you need to be the most successful in your practice is in that room. And it's not, by the way, it's not just the speakers on stage because we do know this conference is where they'll go on who pays the most speaks. It's in the vendor room. It's on the stage and it's with the other attendees. And I beg guys to do it. I I literally beg the vendors that I I help out to do it. Go talk to everybody. You see the vendor right over there? Guess what? He's marketing the same people you are. So go talk to him, say hello. And if nothing happens from it, great. You met another good human. I've helped people set up booths that I don't know. Like, like, it's crazy to me that people don't think this way. They're so laser focused on one line that sometimes you miss. Like, you know, the, I think you, did you play it where, or some of the conference where you know, the gorilla dancing, they tell you to count how many, how many basketballs were passed. So you're watching a video. It, it's shown all over the place. There's a group of people. And they say, I want you to count how many times the basketball's passed. And they ask people, And people are like, oh, 25, 30. And then they say, did anybody see the gorilla dancer in the background? And the answer is no. Because everyone's so focused on the basketball. You are missing all of the opportunity around you because you're looking down.
1: So Paul, as as we come to a close, this being the Game Changing Attorney
0: podcast, what does being a game changer mean to you? Uh, Being a game changer, I think, really means um, playing the game your way. Doing it your way. There isn't one way, at least I didn't read the textbook. Yes, there are certain tried and true things we know about how to handle intake, how to handle you know hiring. We know those to be true, but you are you. Be game-changing by changing the game. Don't just play the game. If you see something, an opportunity to play it your way, that's what gets you noticed of the, I could throw a rock and hit 100 PI attorneys. I can't throw a rock and hit another Alex Shinar, right? Or a Howard Spive. Like- be you so i think that's how you change the game by not following all the rules right if if you followed all the rules you wouldn't have been charging what you were charging for videos that wasn't the rules the rules didn't say a vendor can launch the biggest growth conference in the legal industry that's not the rules the rules were those people do it you didn't follow those rules and that's why you are an absolute game changer in this industry you're a game changer and i think in life you're a game changer the people that work for you your family you are a game changer because you got in the game and then adjusted it to you. To me, that's what being a game changer is. Not trying to conform, trying to tweak the game and and let it fit you. Um, And I think there's a lot of opportunity that in the legal profession, maybe more so than a lot of other fields.
1: I wanna give a huge thank you to Paul Faust for taking the time to speak with us today. You know, what particularly resonated with me was when Paul said that people should know who you are and what problems you solve long before they need you. You can do this by fostering connections and building relationships. And through this, you can set yourself up for success in business and in life. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney podcast with me, Michael Mogul. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share the podcast with at least one other ambitious law firm owner who you believe would benefit. And you know what? Maybe more than one. For more information on our interview with Paul Faust, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit GameChangingAttorney.com. And join us next time, and we'll be speaking with professional endurance athlete, four-time world record holder, and the first person to complete a solo, unassisted trip across Antarctica, Colin O'Brady. Be proud of your successes. But be the first person to congratulate and uplift other people's successes. As a human race, you know we're in such a divisive time in this world. You know how can we find common ground? How can we love each other? How can we uplift? Um, and that's my orientation to it. And if people are having a bad day and they want to lash out, you know I don't have to take that negativity onto me. I can just reflect that back as positivity and love. Even with the loudest critics in the world, all I do is shine love back at them. That's next time on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast.